You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus trail cameras and before we get started on this i just want to remind everybody that exodus is offering a 30 percent discount to all the nine finger chronicles listeners and you, all you have to do is enter the discount code 9fc30 and you're going to receive 30 percent off of your uh, normal purchase price of a trek trail camera and uh, i believe that brings it down to like $101 for an Exodus trail camera. Dude, that's a that's an amazing deal. They don't do that for everybody. I had to uh <laughs> I had to lean on them. I'm like, "Come on, give me something big. Give me a big discount. Give me uh give me something that's going to make the guys jump on it and uh this is something that you guys should probably take advantage of. I'm not sure if I'm going to get a discount like that again on top of uh the other uh discount that we usually get for uh for the Exodus trail cameras, but uh, when we talk about uh, trail cameras, the next transition for me is to talk about Deer Lab. And um, man, if you guys are in, uh, like nuts about trail camera pictures and how to house them and how to organize them, then you need to pick up uh, a little program out there called Deer Lab, DeerLab.com. And what Deer Lab does is, I'm a huge fan of it. It takes your trail camera picture, right? You upload one you know as many trail camera pictures of of the bucks you're chasing into this uh program that deer lab offers and what it does is it pulls in all this great information like uh 
weather, wind direction, barometric pressure, wind speed, you know, date, all that stuff. And all, what, what it does is all that information is kind of calculated. And what it allows you to do is you start uploading uh, specific pictures of specific bucks. Let's say you're on the hunt for one particular buck. And what Deer Lab does is all that information that it pulls in, you start labeling these pictures and you're going to be able to hopefully forecast that particular buck's movements. You're going to see what uh, wind direction he likes to travel in, what temperature or barometric pressure he likes to travel in, moon phase he likes to travel in, and hopefully... Uh, you know, you start putting the pieces of the puzzle together, which Deer Lab helps you do, and all. And next thing you know, you're like, "Oh my God, it's a northwest wind, and I need to be hunting in this particular stand because Deer Lab is showing me that he favors this area on northwest wind." So uh, go check out DeerLab.com/slash-nine-fingers, and if you go to that URL. Uh, and sign up you're going to get a free 30-day trial period uh, you can't beat that so now if it sounds a little funny tonight i am in my backyard recording this intro because <laughs> my office has now been turned back it was a nursery then it got turned into an office and sure as shit it's back to a nursery i have too many damn kids <laughs> and uh so I have a baby sleeping in there, so I can only edit. I can't do any voiceover. So tonight's voiceover, I'm standing next to my garden. I am admiring the beans and the corn that are growing. I got two tomato plants that are up. I got two pepper plants that are up. And I think I even got some carrots that are starting to grow. But uh, I'm a huge fan of gardening. Anyway, today's podcast, um, we're going to be talking with a gentleman named Zach Hunt and Zach is an a freak when it comes to whitetails, just like all of us. And today's podcast, we're going to basically talk about his journey as a whitetail hunter, as a, a outdoor lover, as someone who is very passionate, just like we all are, not only about the outdoors, but specifically whitetail deer. And, uh, you know, we live that we live that lifestyle 365. So that's what today's podcast is about. And uh, without further ado, here's the podcast. All right, everybody. Welcome back. On today's show, I am joined by Mr. Zach Hunt out of Indiana. How you doing today, Zach? I'm doing pretty good, Dan. How you doing? Can't complain, man. Um, so the first question I want to ask you is, is it as hot in Indiana today as it is in Iowa? I think it is. It's pretty dang hot in here. It's about 100, 100 degrees a day with the heat index. Right. Yeah, that's what the news said today. Uh, the The heat index was somewhere around between 100 and 105. <laughs> I I don't know. When I, when I experience really extreme weather like this where, you know, you got a heat index of 105 or wind chill, uh, wind chills of like negative 40 when, during the winter, I, I often think about whitetails, right? And what are they doing? I mean, I, do you ever think about things like that? Well, I'm thinking about whitetails all the time, <laughs> all the time. Yeah. So you've been bitten, huh? Oh yeah. I was out in this stuff, uh, 
about 10 o'clock this morning out putting up trail cameras out on a new property i got permission to hunt Ooh, i like the sounds of that now whereabouts in indiana do you live and what do you do for a living i live in uh, i just moved to charlestown indiana it's uh not too far from louisville kentucky okay. right over the river and uh I work in a injection injection molding uh, business in a factory, and I'm a lead operator. Okay. I give a uh, grown men potty breaks. That's what I do. <laughs> and uh, also, we just keep the floor going, trying to keep uh, getting plastic parts out. Gotcha. To uh, we uh, one of our main suppliers is with the Ford Motor Company. Ford Motor Company. Okay. So, give me an idea of what kind of plastic parts you make. Uh. We make the interior, uh, the interior for the uh, Ford Expedition and the uh, Lincoln Navigator. So, like uh, uh, consoles and dashboards and things like that. Um, I don't think we do the dashboards. What we do, like uh, whenever you lift up the uh, the lift gate from on the SUV on the back of it. Yeah. We make that uh, that whole assembly right there. Okay. Uh, we make uh, we do, we make probably about I'd say at least sixty percent if not more of the interior of that of that vehicle besides the dash and all that stuff. Well, that's pretty cool. It's uh I Yeah, mean, and then we have all we have all kinds of uh we have all kinds of uh medical medical parts we make as well like the shells of like uh, oxygen machines as well. Gotcha. Okay. It's pretty that's pretty cool knowing that that kind of uh work is still being done stateside, you know what I mean? There's a uh, there's companies like this all over all over Indiana and Kentucky. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. But we're not here to talk about plastic parts today, are we? No, definitely not. <laughs> That'd be plastic a... parts just make it to where I can go deer hunting. <laughs> so uh, it pays the bills, right? Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay, so today you reached out to me like a lot of guys do through Facebook and hey man, if you if you got time, let's do a podcast and for the most part I say yes to everybody. Uh and um, you sent me some pictures and, uh, and, you know, a little, little story about the, the quote unquote journey. That's what we talked a little bit about, you know, this, this whitetail journey that we all are kind of living, especially the hardcore guys like myself. And I don't mean like hardcore because we're trying to be badasses, but hardcore in the sense that. It's something we think about every day. We love hunting. We it, it's it's a passion of ours. It's in our blood, uh, type of thing. And that's where I think I want to talk about this quote unquote journey that you've taken from when you started all the way to uh, where you are today. Cool. That's fine. All right. So, first question I have for you is, what is your earliest outdoor or hunting memory? Do you have one that you can think of? Oh yeah. Uh, well, it was you know small game. You know, you usually don't jump right into deer hunting. Yeah. Uh, my dad used to take me to squirrel hunting when I was little. You know, probably six, seven years old. Uh, we used to have a contest with my uncle, and my brother. My brother would go with my uncle, and uh, we'd see if we kill the most squirrels when we go out there. And uh, it was just a really good time getting out there and walking around the woods. So was that something that you you did a lot, or you know, just a, a couple times a year? And how old were you? Uh, I was probably six or seven years old. I was pretty young whenever my dad was taking me out squirrel hunting. Uh, I mean, we didn't do it all the time. I'd say we probably done it four or five times a year or so. Got you, got you. 
so then um so that was squirrel hunting is where it kind of all started that was the foundation uh for basically the rest of your life did did your dad or uncle ever take you fishing oh yeah we went fishing too we uh we usually went night fishing my dad liked going night fishing cat fishing and all that yeah uh he took me quite a bit doing that during the summer as well did you guys what so catfish with a pole or did you run bank poles out of the river uh we was with the pole on the bank okay gotcha that's one thing that i wish i i could do more of um i had a buddy who took me out he he would go out he would set bank poles and then uh he'd run them i think i think he would wait, wait two days and then go check again and I don't know if you've ever uh, ran bank poles, uh, and he would run them right, right at the end of the day or before the sun would go down. And I had so much fun running bank poles with him, uh, pulling out catfish or, or you know rebaiting the lines and throwing them back in. And that's something that I wish I had more time to do, honestly. Oh yeah, Did you ever get any turtles? Oh yeah, we got a couple snappers and just basically cut the hook off of those. He didn't keep those; he just cut the hook off and throw them back in. So yeah, that's a good time. Yeah. So now as you got, as you got a little older, what was the transition? How did, how did you kind of transition from just, you know, going out hunting small game to getting into the, you know, getting in with the big boys, so to speak, and, and start chasing whitetails? Well, uh, a lot of my family hunt, uh, between my mom's side of family and my dad's side of family. So they just kind of took turns taking me out, uh, whenever I was probably, I was probably 10 or so when they started just taking me out deer hunting with them. Uh, just, you know, getting the feel of seeing deer and all that. Uh, they'd get me, take me up in the tree stand with them. Right. And, uh, I didn't have a weapon or nothing, but I was just getting the experience of getting out there and seeing deer and finding my patience. Right. Right. So is that something that the family just automatically included you in? Like you didn't have a choice. You just were there and you went with them. Or was this something that, uh, when you were younger, you were asking, "Hey, Dad or Uncle, can I go? Can will you take me deer hunting? Will you take me deer hunting?" Or was it just like they assumed you everybody was going? Oh, I tell you what, uh, <laughs> I I used to cry whenever I was little if my dad wouldn't take me hunting. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. And that's no joke at all. Mm. That's funny, man. I, I I was I was just interested in it from the get go. Right. I just love being outside. Right. I used to, uh, I, I can remember running trap lines. Um, my uncles would run trap lines, and I, and uh, when I was little, I can remember wanting to go with them. And, uh, you know, if it was bad or the water was a little high, they'd say, no, you can't go, and I'd throw a temper tantrum, and uh, my grandma would have to be like, okay, you just stay here, and then you can go with me later in the week, because my grandma, I, I think I've told this story a thousand times, but my grandma would run the trap lines while my grand, or while my uncles were in college. So one of my uncles was in college, so uh, we did that. So that was, and, and if I couldn't go, I'd throw, I'd throw a fit. But so, so obviously they knew this was something that interested you, right? Oh, very, very much. Right, right. What and if you can remember, how old are you now? I'm 26 years old. Okay, you're 26. So you know this is, let's say, 15 to 20 years ago. If you can remember, uh, what was it about deer hunting that interested you? I mean, was it going out into the woods and nature? You know, hanging with 
the dad, your dad and your uncle thinking that was cool or was it something else? Well, I mean, that's right. More or less, it was just being outside. You know, I really wasn't interested in the deer hunting as much whenever I was young. I just wanted to be out with the old man and my uncle. Right, right, right. So then, you know, they were including you and, you know, they would bring you along and was it something where you were just sitting in the tree stand at first or were you actively participating? Because I've had guys on the podcast say, you know, Hey, I shot my first deer at, you know, seven years old or whatever. And that's, that's, that's only two years away from when my, where my daughter's at now. So that has me thinking, you know, I need to get a move on if I'm going to start, you know, introducing her (laughs) to, to guns and stuff. But, and and how did that kind of all take place from the from the time that it was okay now you're you're just a spectator to now you're you know you're in the game so to speak yeah well i was probably about 10 years old whenever he, my dad started actually taking me deer hunting and climbing up in the tree with him okay uh and like i didn't have no weapon or nothing like that uh it's probably about 12 whenever he finally actually got me out there with a weapon you know he started teaching me how to use a use a uh, shotgun Yep. Pretty young. Yep. But I didn't actually get to get out and uh and uh hunt with it. Right. Till I was about twelve. Gotcha. So then once once that you know, kids sometimes their priorities are a little bit different, right? I mean they want to play with their oh, friends yeah. or they want to go to sleepovers or whatever. What has since you can remember, has hunting been like the thing that you've always wanted to do? I've always hunted, uh, you know, whenever I was younger, you know, whenever I started actually going out with my dad and actually taking a firearm with me, uh, I wasn't, I was mainly a gun hunter. You know, he never really introduced me to bows or anything like that. Right. Uh, at a young, at a young age. So, uh, you know, I was hanging out with my friends, you know, and then we was pretty much weekend warriors, you know, going out whenever he was off work Yeah. and, uh, going out gun hunting. Gotcha. So then, um, when you started hunting with your dad, can you remember a time where, you know, you're sitting out there with him and you just thought, you know what, I can't wait to do this. You know, I can't wait to do this by myself or, or I can't wait to actually hunt with him or, you know, some of those, some of those very first times hunting are the most impressionable because it's like, you, if you, if you don't do it right, you may lose the kid and they may not want to go again. Uh, it was, so I guess walk me through uh, the first couple of times, not necessarily hunting, but the, the uh, you know, the times just sitting in the stand with your dad. Well, uh, I remember the very first time I ever went out in the tree stand with him. Now, we didn't have our safety harnesses on, and we were climbing up in a climbing tree stand with me on the bottom platform. <laughs> and uh, I, can, I, I, can, I can remember that so well. You know, he uh, he would have me grab a hold of the top. The top it was an old man tree stand, yep. climbing tree stand, and uh, he would have me hold on to the top rail. And then he would say, "Lift your legs," and he'd lift up, and then we we'd go up. And uh, I remember that like it was yesterday. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> so so he would have you on the bottom platform, and you would kind of pull yourself up when he pulled the 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 platform up, and then you'd stand back down, and he'd bring the top the seat part up and then you'd grab onto it again. Yep. That's right. Oh my God. That must've been hard work for him. Oh, I, I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. I love it though. Uh, so, so 
you you would get he'd get you up in the tree in a climbing tree stand and um I mean can you remember those first couple sits I mean did you actually see deer were were, uh, you, were you quiet did you understand or did was he there to like kind of walk you through all that He was there to walk me through it uh I don't know if it was the very first time that we went up you know we'd done this a handful of times whenever I was younger uh but I do remember I do remember one hunt. We had four does come walk underneath me, and he was like, you got to be quiet. you got to be quiet. And I was just sitting there, you know, just watching them, and they just walked on by. Yeah. And he didn't take he didn't take one or nothing. So was that something that kind of stuck out and was like, oh, my God. Was that like, was that the first time you've been that, you were that close to a deer? Yeah, yeah, it was. So was that something that you were, I mean, instantly hooked on from, from that moment on or, or, I mean, oh yeah, it had, it had my heart pounding. <laughs> what did your dad say? Uh, whenever, whenever they walked away, he said, yeah, what, did, you see him? "Did you see him?" I said, "Oh yeah, yeah, gotcha." I was yeah. I was just shaking. So then, you know, obviously, you know, you got to start a kid out going into the woods and not necessarily hunting, but you know, as just kind of a ride along, so to speak. When, yeah, what kind of what kind of hunter safety or hunter ethics or you know, hunting education did your dad give you from the time you started going for, uh, to the time you started hunting? Well, I remember uh, he bought me this uh, single shot twenty gauge whenever I was about ten. Uh, him and my mom did, and uh, we went out and he, you know, said whenever you're carrying the gun, always. Always aiming at the ground. Yep. Always treat a gun like it's loaded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, my dad's he, he's he's always been a meat hunter. He's not big on horns. Yeah. Uh, he you know he's he he just likes he just likes putting deer down and filling our freezer up. Yep. Absolutely. So so he was you know he was kind of in it you know for the meat. Was he kind of a, a brown it's down type hunter or did he only hunt for does? It's just brown this down for the most part. I mean, yeah. he's uh, his very first buck he ever killed. My dad, uh, my dad didn't really start hunting again until he was 23 years old, and uh, he shot his very first, his very first deer was an eight pointer, and it's still his biggest deer to this day. Oh, nice, nice. And it's a, it's probably only a 90 inch eight pointer. Yeah, yeah. So he got you in the tree. He started teaching you, you know, some ethics, uh, you know, some responsibility from the. the uh, the gun side of thing or the weapon side of things. Um, what else did he teach you? Well, he just, uh, you know, he just, he, he, he also showed me a uh, tree stand safety besides the, uh, you know, climbing up with me on the bottom platform. <laughs> and once I started climbing by myself, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, taught me safety all along that and everything like that. Gotcha. Uh, that's really about it, you know, gun safety, all that good stuff. Right, right. I mean, obviously he taught, you know, he taught you where to shoot a deer. I mean, you're not going to try oh, to yeah. blow its oh, foot yeah. off or, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So where to aim. Um, were you ever there when he killed a deer and, the, you know, he had to clean it right in front of you, take the guts out and whatnot? Yeah. So, I, I was a little bit older. Uh, I was a little bit older than whenever he, whenever he done that. I was probably about 14. Cause I, I started to get a little bit discouraged, you know, cause I hunted, I started hunting when I was about 12 on my own. He would go sit me in a, uh, in a spot and, uh, 
I didn't kill one until I was about 14, and I started getting discouraged. And a uh, couple couple of weeks before I shot one, uh, he actually shot one, you know, to give me a little bit more confidence. Yeah, yeah. So he he shot one, and just, basically just to show you that hey, it could it it can be done. You just got to give it some patience. Yeah. Was that? Oh yeah. Now I, the word I just used there, patience. You know, when you got discouraged, what I mean, what was his message to you other than just shooting a deer? Uh, what did he say to you? about, you know, not being able to go out and kill a deer every single hunt? Well, he just said, you know, he said, he said, it's not going to happen every time. He said, you got to sit down, got to wait for him, got to be quiet and be still. He said, uh, he said, it doesn't matter the best camouflage, the most expensive camouflage you have, being still is the number one priority whenever you're trying to kill a deer. Yep. Just be still and they will not see you. Yep. That's good advice. Now, when when you were standing over top of that deer and you started to clean it, you know some kids, some kids once they start seeing that kind of thing, it may may get them, I don't know, queasy or change their mind a little bit, taking the guts out of a out of a deer. You know what I mean? Is what was your reaction to the first time you saw you know a, a, a gut job? Uh, I was up in there. Yeah, all in it. I, I was. Oh yeah, I was paying attention. <laughs> Holding legs and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, you know, so it sounds like you were 14 years old when you shot your first deer. Why don't you yep. you know, that was that's been like uh 12 years ago uh, 14 years ago or 12 years ago. Yeah, 12 years ago. Why don't you can you remember that day and walk us through that hunt? Oh, uh, oh yeah. Uh Well, like I said, I was getting discouraged. Uh and uh, my dad, he's always hunting this property as my aunt's property. And uh, he said, he said, I know where these does are bedding at. He said, you, you walk me over to this tree. He said, you sit right here. He said, I'm going to walk around here and I'm going to, I'm going to run one to you. So he, uh, he walked around. It's probably about 30, 45 minutes. And I see this doe running through. And I pull up my rim to an 870 and I just blast her and she, I spined, I spined her. Yeah. And uh, she dropped, and then I went up there and put another one in her and finished the job. Yeah. So when that happened, you were sitting from the ground, I take it? Yep. Okay. So when you when you harvested that first doe, what were, what was the feelings or emotions running through your body after you, you know, you, you started getting discouraged, your dad put together a little bit of a plan, pushed up a deer, you shot it, success right what what happened yep. I mean, what were you thinking what were the emotions oh i was just i was astounded i was i mean i was i was shaking <laughs> i mean I, I was i was so excited right right and this is this is these are the kind of stories that i wish people who did not hunt would would listen to because you know it's not about a trophy you know trophy hunting it's about a kid who got all types of worked up when he shot a when he shot his you know very first ever deer and he 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 just he was an absolute happiness right and you know and it was hunting that did that not sports or video games you know what i mean oh yeah ain't no way a video game can make me get that excited right absolutely so as you walked up on this deer you were all worked up what what were some other things that you were thinking Oh, I was just, I was ready to eat the thing, man. I mean, my dad was 
grew up, you know, feeding us deer meat and everything. Right. And uh, I was ready. I was ready to. I was actually ready to field dress the deer on my own, watching my dad do it a couple of times on deer he's harvested. Right. Right. So you were you were proud at that point that you were you were participating in bringing meat to the family. Yeah. Right. Now, what did your mom say when you told her you shot a deer? Uh, she didn't. She's really ne- never really. I mean, she cooks it for us, you know, but right. that's about it. Yeah. She really, you know, she was happy for me. Yeah. So just just kind of an activity that you and your dad kind of did together. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. My my dad tried to get my other two brothers into it, and they just didn't take. They were you know computer computer game players and playing on video video games and all that, you know. Yeah. Right. So so of so you have two other brothers then, right? Yeah, I'm I'm the youngest. Okay, so you're the, you're the youngest, and your older brothers never got into it, huh? Uh, my oldest brother tried to. Uh, I mean, he still shoots. He he shoots a he shoots a trad boat, you know, just for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, that's all he really does with it. He's not, he's really not patient enough to get out there and deer hunt. I've been trying to get him to come out. Yeah. So you think you're going to be able to persuade him to take part in a deer season then? Yeah, I think I am. I'm gonna keep trying. Gotcha. So, so then, you and your dad—it sounds like it's something that you guys really share. Special. Do you guys even even th- today? Is it something that you do together still, or have you kind of moved on to hunt by yourself? Well, uh, probably about 2009. My dad stopped hunting with me as much. He was just got real busy and just really kind of gave it up. Really. Yeah. And I've just really been hunting with my friends and on my own for the most part since about 2009. Gotcha. So, obviously, you started with a gun. Um, when did you start making that switch to archery equipment? Oh, it's, I've probably only been bow hunting for about seven years now. Okay, seven years. And so, how old were you when you switched, or did not necessarily switched, but picked up the? Oh, I was about. 15 actually it's been, yeah, it's been about, about 15 16 years old or okay. whenever i bought my first bow okay so so you shot your first deer when you were 14 and then two years later you started um you know you picked up a bow and, and tried to do bow hunting what was it that made you want to try archery because knowing that uh, it was probably going to be a little harder to do uh well my dad he bow hunted a little bit and uh he he got him a new bow and gave me his old ancient thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just, I had to, I had to work up to pull that thing back. Right. Do you remember, uh, do you remember what brand it was? That, it was a Martin. I don't, I'm not sure the, uh, I'm not sure the, the name of it, but it was a Martin. Yeah. And it was, it was one of them bows. You're pulling 60 pounds and you're holding 60 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so, was it something that it that took you to get used to, or did you have to like work on it like day after day to try to get it pulled back? Oh, I had to work on it. That's for sure. Yeah. So it wasn't one of those things where, hey, I'm, I got a bow and I can just go right to shooting it. It took you took you some time to get adjusted to it. Oh yeah, it took it took quite a while. Yeah. Right. So, you know. A lot of times when people try bow hunting, they kind of go down two paths from what I hear is the path where they may dabble in it a little bit where, 
you know, they may just kind of be a weekend warrior during archery season. If not that, maybe hunt a couple days out of the rut, but nothing serious, but are still taking part in gun season. And then there's the kind of bow hunters that go head first into it and uh, gun hunting. Yeah, some, they may still do it, but it becomes secondary for them. You know, they're 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 a bow hunter first, a gun hunter second. Where do you lie in that whole calculation? I guess? I'm, I'm I'm definitely on the now. I'm definitely the second one. I mean, I uh, I probably only take my gun out two or three times a year now, and that's mainly just to get out there and shoot me a doe or two right i mean if a good bug comes by and i haven't got one yet then i'll if i get a good good deer in front of me i'll take him right what's the what's the tag scenario in indiana Um, is it a one buck state or can you get multiple deer it's it's a one buck state but uh you can put in for draw hunts uh and they provide another buck tag okay like in a a state park or like a piece of public ground or like a what a they're, they're mostly they're mostly uh state parks gotcha gotcha they do have a uh, they do have urban tags up uh up in up near indianapolis it's where you can urban hunt and that starts around uh beginning of september which i wish they would start start indiana's archery season earlier but yeah yeah it is what it is right so you kind of uh you kind of started to fall in love with bow hunting um, was that over a period of time or did that t- was it like kind of a, a one, one day, maybe you were successful or you just had the perfect conditions and saw a lot of deer during like the, an archery hunt that kind of flipped you from being, you know, a practicing bow hunter to what, you know, we would consider a hardcore bow hunter. Well, it was mainly, uh, just hanging out with my friends and they, 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 they were bow hunters whenever I met them and, you know, uh, I got me a bow, a, a newer bow, and uh, then I started going out with them, and then I started going out to my hunting property, my main hunting properties I have, and uh, I do, it's just just a lot better having a lot longer season. Right, right. More hunting, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I just love being out there, sitting up there, you know? Right. It's great. I love it. So how old were you when you were able to harvest your first deer with a bow? First deer with a bow. Oh. I was about, I was 16, 16. whenever I first started bow hunting. Yep. Oh, nice. So that, the, the first year you started bow hunting was the first year you were able to be successful. Yep. Okay. Okay. So what was something that you learned with that first, that first doe kill? Uh, was it something that you had to bounce around a lot? Was it from the ground? Was it from a climber? from a ladder stand walk us through that first that first season you know at a high level and talk to us about you know what led to that success and how what you know what you learned from that the very first doe i ever took with my bow uh i was in a climbing tree stand uh i had some does come in come in behind me and they worked their way down to my tree and uh no joke i had i had I had two does underneath my tree at about five yards <laughs> and uh i drew back and i tried to shoot shoot one of them and i said tried <laughs> i missed it at five yards yeah it was a, it was a straight down shot i've been there and uh yep and in my opinion that's probably one of the harder shots because you don't have much to aim at right but uh 
so whenever I shot, those two does took off. And not even five minutes later, I had another doe come from the same way those other deer came from. And they came, that doe came in and done the exact same thing. Wow. And uh, I drew back. She was at about four or five yards. Well, whenever I drew back, I guess she 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 she, she just kind of felt kind of eerie. And uh, whenever I released, you know how whenever they try to take off, they drop their front they drop their front legs. Right, right. Put their put their put their butt up in the air. Well, whenever I released the arrow, she was she was like in process of doing that, and I hit her right in the artery in her hind quarter. Okay. Okay. And she ran twenty yards and was done. So she she bled out fast then. Oh, there. I mean, that's the, that's probably the best blood trail I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. So so you were able to get out there, get it done. How many days before that day had you hunted before you were you know before you were successful? This was um towards the end of October. Okay. And when did so? How many times do you think you hunted? Uh, I'd say probably, oh, I'd say probably about six or seven times. Six or seven times. Okay. So being successful with a bow and you were out by yourself, right? Yeah. Okay. So was there any difference between the very first doe you shot, uh, and you used a gun to the very first doe you shot with a bow? Did you have any different feelings or... Was did um, I guess because some people you know some people kind of say, God, I shot my deer with a, a gun, it was awesome. But when I shot my deer with a bow, man, that was just a more intense moment. Did you did you kind of have those same feelings or was it equal? Oh, it was it was way better shooting a deer with a gun. I mean, that's why I bow hunt today more than I do with a gun. Yeah, there's just there's nothing like it. Right, right. And uh, did was that kind of the a trigger? to when you said, you know what, I'm going to bow hunt every single year I can? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So after that, you know, after that uh, that deer, uh, that, that first bow kill, um, did you go out and continue to hunt for, for bucks, or were you just happy with shooting, you know, the first deer that walked by your tree stand? I hunt every chance I can get. Mm-hmm. Right. No matter if I'm no matter if I'm tagged out with the buck or I mean I I can kill eight does eight does in the county I hunt in. Yeah. And then I can go over to the next county and kill another eight does, so how many deer do you think you kill a year on average? Oh, probably the last the last four years I probably killed about four or five. Four or five deer? Four deer. Okay. All right. Last year I killed two and the way my family went through ground deer meat this year. I almost want to go out and kill two more. Um, <laughs> one was a button buck I th- that I thought was a doe, and then uh, then my buck I shot this year. So we had a lot of meat. Actually, you know, we're recording this on Father's Day, and I cooked a Father's Day meal, which was uh, deer steaks that I had. And by the way, I got lucky tonight because I never, me personally, I always overcook my uh deer meat but tonight man i hit i I marinated it i i got it to room temperature and then i threw it on the skillet um with some olive oil and man i nailed it tonight like i cooked 
I cooked the best deer steak I've ever cooked tonight, and I was pretty pumped about it. Yeah, it's, a, it's pretty easy to overcook deer steak, and if you do, it's not that good. Right, absolutely. And then tonight, you know, my wife, she's she's had my cooking before, and she, she uses the the, <laughs> the, uh, the term gamey, right? And I'm, I'm an okay cook, yeah. but, you know, you got to cook deer meat right or the person who may not like it. But tonight she said, oh, man, that's really good flavor. So if she approved it, then I know I did a good job. Well, that's good. Yeah, I have a I have a three year old son, and uh, he, he he absolutely loves deer meat. Yeah, he loves it. That's good. That's awesome. Now he's the same age as my boy. Did does he uh, like? Does he show interest in going hunting with you yet, or is it he still kind of too? Well, young? he uh, I have him a a little you know a little plastic bow with plastic arrows and stuff like that, and I'll go out back and shoot my bow, and he'll he'll go up and shoot the. Uh, the Glendell I have, he'll go up and shoot it with his bow whenever I'm going to get my arrows. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's 50% right now. Yeah, yeah. And it's still young. Their, their, uh, you know, their attention span is about 15 seconds <laughs> at that yeah. age. Yeah, oh, yeah. And so you got, you know, got to get them on the right day, and then some days they'll probably like it, and some days they won't. Yeah, I think I'm going to take them next year. Oh, that's awesome. Out there with me. Awesome. Just to sit and get uh, acclimated yeah. to the timber? Yeah. Cool. I mean, cool. he he, uh, he goes out and checks my cameras with me every now and then. Yeah, right, right. So now I want to kind of back up just a step and talk about, you know, maybe because as bow hunters, we all kind of go through a progression where, you know, we, we've, we've shot some does. Maybe we've even shot a couple bucks. And now we want to start transitioning to eat like more mature deer or some guys go for bigger yeah. antlers or whatever. Have you gone through a progression like that in the last, you know, 10 years where you maybe went from just kind of going for the it's brown, it's down to maybe targeting specific bucks? Because at the beginning of of this today, you mentioned that, you know, you went out and, and put up trail cameras today, which tells me you're interested in the caliber of deer that are on the properties that you hunt yeah i mean uh every year up for the past probably six years i've been using trail cameras and uh i usually get pretty good deer on trail camera you know 130s to probably 150s yeah that's 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 the top caliber that i'm getting on cameras 150s okay uh and you know i'll get them in velvet but once once they once they shed that velvet man i just i don't get no more pictures of them yeah I usually see a couple of good deer every year, you know, 130s to 140s every year. Okay. It's okay. just the deer hunt is not like it used to be. Yeah. So you're saying it's kind of declining? Yeah. Why is that, you think? Uh, Well, the area, like I, like I said in the message I sent you, uh, I hunt small, small parcel properties, uh, 10 acres I, at my aunt's house. She has 10 acres. Her neighbors have 10 acres. Two of her neighbors have 10 acres. So I have 30 acres to hunt in like a square pretty much. And, uh, I mean, I usually see pretty good deer, but back in 2009, that's whenever I shot my biggest deer. Yeah. And, uh, since then I, I've just, I've just seen a uh, jump and pressure around my area. Yeah. Is that public ground or is that small pieces of private? 
it's small pieces of private, but uh, public's not too far away from it. Gotcha. And public pretty busy? Uh, a little bit. I uh, I went and uh, I was going to go and check this public out that's not too far from my aunt's property. Uh, I went and squirrel hunted it to get a little, get an idea of what, you know, how many people are hunting. And I ended up seeing about five or six tree stands in there. Yeah. And yeah. about every time I pass it, there's always somebody there during deer season. Right, right. Yeah, that, I mean, and in Iowa, everybody thinks, you know, Iowa, man, that's the holy grail for deer hunting. And you're, <laughs> you're right, it is, uh, it, but everything you see about Iowa is on private managed property. Now you get to what public land is, and Iowa is somewhere around 2% public land, right? So out of all the property that's in Iowa, only 2% of it you can um, maybe a- available to hunt, right? Maybe even less than that. Now, with that, you have, I mean, just loads of people going and trying to hunt it, especially people who are coming from out of state to hunt that. So all the public ground in Iowa is going to be is going to be worked over. And yes, there may be some bigger caliber deer there, but the pressure that is put on, I would compare it to, you know, not not states like Michigan or Pennsylvania, but maybe some other similar states. Oh yeah. So, so, so then as you got, you know, as you start, you know, you started realizing this decline, did, did your, your methodology change to where, you know, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to try to kill, you know, the best deer I possibly can. That's my mindset. Yeah, for sure. I just try to get out there and kill me a, kill me a decent buck every year. Yeah, and in in your opinion, and and for the area that you hunt, what's considered a decent buck? One thirties. One thirty. Okay. And, yeah. And when we say one thirty, that kind of reflects a score. But what what typically is a one thirty from an age class perspective? I'd say probably a three or four year old. I'd say. Okay. Three. Now there's there's definitely bigger ones in there. That's for sure. Yeah. Just you know crossing paths is the is the difficult part yeah right okay so you only have how many acres of private do you hunt sounds like you have 30 uh i have i have 30 and it's kind of like a it's just like a square for the most part yeah that i can hunt and uh 10 of that i can only hunt during bow season during okay. gun season i can't hunt i can't hunt i can't hunt, hunt 10 of it at all because they they hunt Gotcha. So I respect that, you know. Right. They're letting me hunt on their property. Right. Okay. So you got 30 acres to hunt. Now, how do you approach that every year? Because um, you can blow, a guy could blow out 30 acres really fast. Oh, yeah. You can, you can blow out 30 acres really easily. Yeah. So how do, how do you approach that? I mean, do you go in and hunt every possible time you can? Or do you have days where you lay off and and try to, you know, wait till the good time of the year, or do you, you know, you watch your trail cameras? How are, how are you approaching those 30 acres? Well, the past, uh, probably four, four or five years or so, uh, I've been letting, I have my buddies come out. We have a little deer camp out there. We stay out there for, you know, a couple of days and it's, uh, three of us, including me. And we go out there and, you know, we hunt it for a couple of days, 
beginning of the bow season. And uh, since I've started doing that, it seems like I don't see as good a deer. Yeah. But also, I'm noticing more people on the other properties. Like, because what I usually do is I use, I'll, I'll get in my stand an hour, hour and a half before daylight and let things calm down. And sometimes I will see, the past couple of years, I can see people on the other hillside coming in right before daylight. Yeah. And I didn't see that a couple of years ago. Okay. So, so there is, there's not only a lot of pressure on the public, but it sounds like there's a lot of pressure on the surrounding private as well. Yes. Okay. And, you know, you said, you know, we're, we're talking about this decline. Do you think that that increase of pressure has directly affected the quality of deer? Like they're just straight up shooting, you know, everything that walks by. Maybe not everything that walks by, but they're definitely harvesting some deer. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, uh, two years ago, no, three years ago, I was uh, hunting opening day of shotgun season. I had my shotgun with me, and uh, I was hunting uh, probably about about the middle of my aunt's property or so. And I heard, I heard, I heard some deer running to me. I mean, they were running really hard, and uh, they were they were probably about a hundred yards away or so. And uh, I hear, boom. And, uh, I mean, they were coming right to me. And that right there, that's whenever it really started, whenever I could tell more people were hunting the private properties around me. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, and, and that, I mean, trust me when I say this, is I hunt on some decent property, right? I share it with some other hunters. And at the same time, I get a little frustrated when I had, you know, when I've noticed other trucks coming on that property or other trucks coming on some of the neighboring property. And I've seen a direct result in that as well, because this is going to sound crazy when I say this, but every year on trail camera, I used to, I used to catch, uh, you know, something in the one seventies or higher right? Just some gigantic bucks on trail camera. And the last couple of years, I have not had that. So that tells me that this older age class is, it's the, the, the herd is not making it to the older age class, whether that has something yeah. to do with EHD or God forbid CWD, or people are just shooting younger deer, which, you know, yeah. I can't complain too much because I shot a young deer this year as well. So, uh, it is it was still a nice deer though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, <laughs> it, is, was, it was nice. It is what it is, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things where if I had, if I, if I could go back in time, I probably would have not shot that deer just because of age, yeah. you know, age class alone. I mean, yeah, I don't like to make my decisions based off antlers, but you know, whatever. So yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, last year, uh, my buddy, I have a friend, he, uh, he left me on his property. His grandpa owns it and uh, it's about, it's about 300 acres. And uh, I was out there putting my cameras out out there and I got a heck of a deer on trail camera last year out there. Yeah. And it's, it's butted up to, to, uh, probably about, I'd say about 7,000 acres of forestry oh, with boy. private land. I mean, not private land, but, uh, a public land. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, this is probably, uh, I'd say he's 170, 180 inch temple winner. Oh boy. 
So, but it, I, but it's he, one of those things where I can I can only hunt with him. Ah, uh, okay. See, so he, I really didn't get to hunt much. Right. So you can only hunt while he's there. Um, yeah. However, do you have access to where that that farm butts up to the private? Or the, I do. Or the public. I I I I do have access to the public land, but to get close to where he's at to where i got i got pictures of that deer which it was it was right it was probably about it's probably early september whenever i got the picture okay but he was still in velvet yep and uh i actually this past year i actually went and hunted that public land and i walked all the way it's about six mile walk from where i have access that (laughs) six miles one way six miles i got up early one one way six miles one way and i got up early one morning and i walked all the way to around the area man that and takes, i mean I, that takes some <laughs> determination my friend six miles and this yeah six miles wow and it's, it's some really good uh i mean it's some good areas yeah. definitely and I, I went and hunted i didn't go all the way back there and hunt this year but i did i walked about four miles back yeah. One morning, got up about three o'clock, walked back there. I seen a couple deer, but I didn't see any, any bucks or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I, gotta uh, be a pretty big buck for me to shoot that far back. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what it would take for me to walk six miles for a deer. It'd have to be a decent one. Or one that I knew I couldn't connect with somewhere else on a on a different piece of property, but man, that's a haul. With a climber on your back? Climber on my back, backpack strapped to it. Yep. Wow. Wow, that's crazy, man. So, so now as as the years have, you know, like this upcoming season, what would you say your goal is uh, as far as what you're going to be chasing and what your goal is for this upcoming archery season or deer or hunting season in general? Well, you know, like I said, I'm I like to fill my freezer up, so. I will uh, probably go out and try to kill me a couple of does right off the bat. Yep. Get me some more meat because I'm almost out already. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I try to shoot me a pretty decent deer every year. Right. Okay. Uh, I mean, do you ever have any uh, inkling to, you know, go to another state and try it? I mean, Indiana borders Ohio. Ohio has some decent public land. Do you ever feel like you want to cross the border or go to – uh, Ohio or Kentucky? You know, I, uh, I have, I have some people at work that have some land over in Kentucky. I've been trying to, trying to, it's their back a little bit and try to give me, let me come out there and hunt, you know, cause right. But, uh, not, not, not right now. Yeah. I mean, I have plenty of land over here to hunt. Like I was telling you, uh, at the beginning of this podcast, I, I was out there putting trail cameras out on a new property. I have permission to hunt this year. Oh, nice. It's a, it's 24 acres, solid woods, surrounded right. by nothing but fi- but bean fields. Okay. So, so, I mean, it's, and nobody's hunted it in three years. Wow. So, I, I bet, if I had to guess, you're pretty excited to go check those trail cameras in a couple weeks. I don't think I'm going to give them about, a, I think I'm going to give them a month or two before I go out there. That's probably the smart. Because, uh, because, uh. I went and I got permission to hunt this property in February. Yeah. And I went out there and checked it out, you know. Uh, there wasn't, you know, no vegetation at all anywhere. 
So it, it, it looked like it was going to be open property, but I tell you what, it's thick in there. And uh, both times I've been to the property, I went out there and put the cameras out mid-February, and I went and checked them last week. And uh, had a, all I really had was uh, got a couple of small bucks on there, some shed bucks and a bunch of does. Yeah. But uh, it's thick in there, and I jumped deer up whenever I went in there today, so I'm not sure if it's going to be an evening spot or a morning spot. Gotcha, gotcha. Only time will tell on a uh, scenario like that, sounds like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. So, so you, so we're, you know, we're getting close to the end here, and I want to, you know, your dad kind of guided you down the path to becoming a hunter, and, and you have a three-year-old son. Do you have any other kids? No, that's all I have is okay. this one. You have a three-year-old son. One little son. boy. So what kind of thoughts are running through your head about how you're going to approach you know, introducing your son into, into hunting. Mama, I think I'm going to try to get him into archery as soon as possible, get him shooting a bow, you know, right. something. Right. Right. Uh, cause he, he already seems like he likes shooting a little toy already bought him. Okay. And he's pretty good at it. Really. I yeah. think he's better than me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, I mean, have you taken him fishing before does he does he like going fishing with you or camping or things like that i haven't taken him fishing yet but i have taken him camping a handful of times yeah and uh he respond pretty well to that yeah he likes it cool cool well man uh i i hope all that turns out for you and uh i'd love to hear more about uh you know the progression of i i, I always want to know how people have gotten their children into hunting because you know, my daughter is five, and she's showing some interest, definitely in fishing, but um, in, in hunting as well. She wants to go out with me. And at the same time, my son, he's three, and he, you know, he's to that age, too, where he points on the wall, and he's like, Daddy, big buck. Look at Daddy, big buck. And then I'll ask him, um, I'll ask him, hey, which one do you want to shoot? And I, I like this answer because um, he goes, the he goes, the big one. And I go point to the big one. And he doesn't point to the big one with the biggest antlers. He points to the one with the biggest body. And that cracks me up because he's like, that, that one's got, it's real big dad. And uh, I'm a sucker for a buck with a huge body. So I, that, uh, is that, is that the one, uh, is that the one you had to have a special form order from the taxidermy? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Had to get, yeah, they had to fly the mountain from Canada, the foreman from Canada. I bet that was expensive. Oh well, he didn't. Char- he didn't. He didn't charge me any extra for it. So that's really, good. yeah, that's good. That's awesome. So, yeah, man. Well, you'll have to keep me posted in how uh, you know. You mentioned you're going to be taking your boy out uh, this year with you. I'd love to. See, I'd love to hear how that goes. And uh, Mr. Zach Hunt, I really appreciate you taking time to uh, talk about your whitetail journey with us today on the podcast, man. All right, man. Hey, thanks, Dan, for having me, man. I really appreciate it, and good luck this year. And the outro of this podcast is being recorded in my backyard as well. I'm looking at fireflies in my garden again and the moon in the sky. It's a gorgeous night, but a huge shout-out to Zach, Mr. Hunt, for uh, hopping on the podcast today, man. Really appreciate you taking time to hop on and uh, share your journey with us. Also, huge shout out to all of you as usual thanks for uh downloading listening if you haven't already please go to itunes or wherever you download your podcasts 
leave a review. It's uh, it, it's worth it, it for me to say that. Uh, hopefully, you guys uh, are enjoying the content that's put, being put out. We have uh, some some more big things coming down the pipeline, like uh, the the vlog series here pretty soon. What else? What else? What else? Oh, all the partners of this podcast: Deer Lab, Lone Wolf, Ozonics, Wasp, Prime Archery. I'm missing some. I'm missing two more. Uh, Ozonics Prime. Wasp Archery, uh, oh, Exodus Trail Cameras, and who else? I'm missing one, but uh, I, hopefully they forgive me that I can't remember uh, that I can't remember them. I usually have a piece of paper that I read off of, but um, there's that. Uh, be sure to check out the Nine Finger Chronicles and the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network social media pages, Instagram, and facebook uh, tons of great information and announcements coming out on those social media platforms and by the way all the other uh, information that is being put out like all the other podcasts that are on the sportsman's nation like i'm telling you if you're just listening to the nine finger chronicles man you're missing out because there is a ton of great information and stories uh, that that come out um, not only about strategy but just people that have a passion for the outdoors uh, and that's uh, and that's why I'm doing it also today I started the process to make the sportsman's nation 2% for conservation certified I have a list of steps and um, check like a checkbox checklist thing that I have to do to become certified I started that process today so hopefully in one of these upcoming podcasts I can basically say to you the Sportsman's Nation is now certified as uh, 2% for conservation, and that would make me pretty proud. So that's coming up. I think that's about it, man. It's a gorgeous night. I, I don't know. I, I should do more podcasts outside because I feel Mother Nature's energy right now. It sign, sounds kind of hippie-ish, but uh, I'm like standing in the middle of these fireflies. There's some birds still kind of chirping and uh, the moon shining through the trees and see the lightning in the distance man it's i gotta do more of these out here i'll probably get electrocuted knowing all that but thank you guys very much for tuning in to today's podcast as always and you know it's that time of year where us whitetail hunters are getting antsy and we're starting to hop into the woods and the air conditioner on my neighbors just kicked on so i gotta walk back over here <laughs> to finish out this last sentence but please if you're going to be in a tree, hanging some tree stands to prepare for the season, for the love of God, people, wear your damn safety harness. Have a good rest of the week.